Welcome to Talking Tuesday. I am your host, Fancy Quant, and today we're going to talk about personal finances. So I don't talk about personal finances for a variety of reasons. Um, One of them being I'm not a financial advisor. I never really found an interest in it. Uh, But if you don't know me and you don't know this channel, I work in risk management at large banks, small banks, regional banks, uh, fintech firms. Like I've been across the board. I'm really focused on risk management. That's a big driver for me, understanding finance from a risk perspective. Uh, I've also paid off $160,000 in debt. My wife and I paid it off. It was our student loans that was done. I believe within like five years after graduation, but I manage my finances a little bit different. So this episode here, this video is because I got a request uh, from a subscriber through LinkedIn. I've also had some other people kind of, you know, ask about it over the years. And so I figured I would just talk about how I do it, which is a little bit different than you'll find other places. So I really divide this into kind of two steps. Uh, The first step is going to be managing your cash flow. And I think this is the hardest piece for people to figure out. And then once you figure out the first piece, I think the second piece kind of goes like against it. It seems kind of different and odd. Um, But let's dive into the first step here, which is going to be managing your cash flows. No matter if you're an institution, a bank, um, an individual, uh, managing cash flow is all that entities do, banks, people, firms. And what I mean by this is you're going to have to figure out how much cash you have coming in and how much cash you have going out. And so often there's a big discussion on how to set up budgets. And, you know, there's different individuals like Dave Ramsey that have special accounts and cash goes into specific, like, you know, accounts, one for grocery, one for gas, one for this. Um, I don't like doing exactly like specific amounts for specific things. I know that's helpful for many people, but I sit down or at least I've sat down in the past and I write out, you know, for example, how much is my rent or my mortgage, right? I have to have a roof over my head. How much is that? So that's one expense. Uh, Then I figure out, okay, I have, you know, my, my phone, I have my bank account information and I can figure out on there, okay, on the last 12 months, what has been my average grocery bill per month? So you can just take the numbers, add them up, take an average, put it down. Then you go through utilities, do the same thing, and you figure out all just the bare essential things that you have spent in the last 12 months. Take the averages and figure out on average how much you are spending on the different categories that you want to kind of bucket out. Again, do these as bare necessities. And then I like to have another account, which is like, you know, just wasteful things you purchased. Like I just had to have that textbook or I had to go on vacation, or I just needed that new outfit for work or for whatever. Like I didn't really need it, but I kind of needed it. Uh, And put those in like a different category of like other spending. Now, that being said, you gotta figure out how much money you have coming in. This is pretty easy to figure out. Um, If you have a job, right, your income is how much you you brought in. Um, I would also look at other sources of income. So if you have any side hustles or, you know, other things that pay cash, put those down. Again, look at the last 12 months. Did you have a tax refund? You know, put that in there and figure out on average how much cash you have coming in per month and figure out how much cash is going out per month. Now, if your expenses are larger than your income, you're underwater. You got to figure out what to do here. Uh, you got to cut back. Most things that people claim they need, they don't need. Um, cell phones and technology is probably one of the biggest money wasters I consistently see. Uh, I don't pay for any actual services. Like I don't pay for HBO Max. I don't pay for Netflix. I don't pay for, um, I don't know, 
Uber Eats. I don't pay for anything because I think it's just a waste of money. It's ridiculous. Um, but you're going to have to go through here and start looking at it. Even if you have more income than you have and expenses per month, so you have a positive you know, cash flow, you need to figure out where you can cut because a lot of people waste a ton of money. Like I know people that have like these streaming services, for example, and they only use like one of them or two of them. And they've got like three, four or five of them. Just cutting those off is going to be a big money saver. Um, again, thinking about what you actually need versus what you're just wasting money on. A lot of people like waste money and they just have to have the newest phone or they have to have the newest whatever. This is the hard part. This is why personal finance, I think, is so challenging for many people is doing this balancing and specifically cutting your expenses is the biggest piece of this because most people just buy wasteful garbage. Um, eating out, again, is a big waste of expense. You shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't be doing that. Just buy food, make it at home. It's far cheaper. Now, the other piece here I want to mention, which most people won't talk about, uh, is education and training of figuring out how do you make more money. Um, again, I think education and training is the key to making more money. When I say that, I do not mean just a college degree. Uh, many people can go into like the trades, for example, picking up a new skill or getting more training on that or that trade uh, can can boost your income. It can make you better. Uh, if you currently work in a trade, again, buckling down, trying to do a better job at your current day job, those are all going to help you get promotions and kind of work through that. So my traditional channels more about like career development and quantitative finance. The career development part, though, uh, is more about like working with people, uh, learning new skills and learning how to write resumes, that sort of thing. So you can kind of promote yourself and increase your value. And if your value is increased through your personal efforts, uh, you'll make more money. So that's kind of the goal here, just balancing the budget. And then as part of this step one, so everything I do is kind of like a water flow in the sense that the first bucket kind of is going to be your checking account. And really you should know in like your budgeting piece, how much do you absolutely have to have to live? And then how much that's just wasteful spending. And then figure out like in your checking account, how much are you comfortable with having in there on a regular basis, right? I like to have a nice comfortable amount, a target that I'm trying to reach because I want to make sure I can pay bills without being stressed. Like I'm not worried about, you know, like, oh, do I have the money in my account to pay my rent for the month? Like I want to make sure I've got it all dialed in and I have a, you know, maximum amount that I want that I'm nice and comfortable with. I can pay my bill. So I would set that maximum value larger than your expenses for the month because you never want to be kind of like, you know, running low on cash and not being able to pay bills and then having like an overdraft fee, which is just a big waste of money. Uh, so I would set a value. I don't know what your value is going to be. I'm guessing with rents like $1,000, you add in food, you add in utilities. Uh, most people are kind of going to have probably, you know, five, $10,000, depending if you have kids or you don't have kids and all that. But I set some sort of value that is like, I have to reach that amount and I save up my money and all of my money that I have goes into the checking account until that is filled up. And then once that cup is filled up being your checking account and I can know I can cover my expenses, I know I have my budget, my cash flow all dialed in, all of the extra cash on top of that is going to flow out of that cup into another cup. So it's like a waterfall. It falls down into another piece here. And I still worry about my expenses in the sense that like if I could cut a little here and a little there, I could get a little extra cash that will go down that waterfall. So kind of keeping an eye on that. And then every single month I look at my checking and when I have too much cash that goes above and beyond that waterfall limit, I move it into the second phase of my kind of budgeting and planning process here. So once you can figure out phase one, you're surviving, your ends are meeting, like life is okay. You've got a little bit of extra cash to pay your bills. You know, it's kind of dialed in. And the second piece is going to be just like the investing in life. 
Okay, this isn't like traditional investing, it's investing in life. Uh, I typically have three separate accounts and I se separate money about, probably about a third, a third, and a third. You can kind of adjust the ratio how you want it. Uh, but the first one's going to be investing in long-term investments for your retirement. So um, if you have company investments that do company match, like 401k, I typically don't screw around with like hand-picking investments. I just do a 401k for the corporation. I typically pick like a big chunk of it in the, what's considered like the market stock. So like something that's really safe, like the biggest companies, I guess in P500 index, for example. And I do a big chunk in that, like 50%, for example. And then I do like 25% in mid-level companies and 25% in small companies. Now, again, that's just diversifying the risk. So S&P 500 is diversified across a bunch of you know, 500 companies uh, and then doing mid and small companies as well. Those are higher level of risk. But again, with more risk, you typically get return and everything you put into your retirement accounts, uh, these 401ks here, I just view that as like money that's gone, right? It's gone. I put it in 401. I don't touch it. I don't screw with it. It's just there for retirement. And then out of that extra cash from your checking account, I mentioned a third goes into the investing. So I just do all of my 401k on that company match. Best way to do that. Uh, the second account is going to be a high yield savings account. So I have no idea why people keep money at banks, like traditional banks, where you're making like 0.01% or 0.2% or 0.5%. Um, there are high yield savings accounts. You can Google them. I won't recommend any of the names. But uh, again, right now they're paying like 36 to 3.8%. So 3.8%, for example, is 10 times, 100 times better, or whatever, than 0.01 or 0.02. Like you're making a lot more money from having it in there. There are often rules like you can't take out money more than, I don't know how many times per month, um, but they're actually just really liquid. Like we just put extra cash in there. So a third of that money is going into that and it's making money on its own. It's just building up this big nest egg of savings. So that's kind of going at the same time and you'll eventually get to the point where it's like churning out good cash flow every month. And that's an amazing safety net for risk management. So if you ever need cash, like for example, say your checking account, you have the amount you're supposed to have in there. And then you have a hospital bill comes up, right? All of a sudden I need cash. I need it right now. What are you going to do? Going to run to your high yield savings account, right? You don't want to have that money parked somewhere not making anything. Um, but you also want to have a nice buffer so you can pay for medical expenses or a car accident or I don't know, the summer's super hot and your water bill is 10 times larger than it should have been. Like Having that savings is really critical. And I don't think a lot of people emphasize this enough. A lot of people say, oh, take all that extra money and put it into like investments. Investments are illiquid. They're hard to liquidate. And often if the market's bouncing around like it, it does, right, it's okay in the long run. But in the short run, if something happens, you want to have extra cash. So I like to have extra cash. Cash is king, uh, which I think almost everyone's forgotten these days. Most of the financial advice I see is people are optimizing with long-term investments. They'll go, oh, crypto's making, you know, 20%. Uh, the stock market made, you know, 12% last year. You should just put all your money in the stock market. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. It's going to bounce around. Um, cash is king. That money, again, can be used for a variety of things. Emergencies, like I mentioned, uh, new investment opportunities or something that's like a good investment in yourself. So when I say investments, I think, everything. I don't just think like financial assets in the stock market, whatever. Um, an example of this is I wanted to work on a project where I run my YouTube studio. So this is in my house, but I want to have an area to do my YouTube studio. Uh, my wife and I both work from home. So it'd be really nice and convenient to have somewhere to work that's not in the house, you know, with kids running around and screaming and you're trying to manage your day job. So that'd be nice. I also had a hobby. I want to rebuild cars. I do woodworking. I do a bunch of different things like that. 
So I built a garage shop that has a downstairs for parking cars and doing woodworking type of things and construction. And then I have a nice upstairs that's going to have, uh, again, an office and a YouTube studio and like a nice, quiet, finished area, right? So that's an investment in just my personal life here. That's an investment in things that we're trying to do here. So having that extra cash available, it wasn't that big of a stretch to say, okay, I really need to get on this plan, this project, I think this would be a great investment. Now, again, if you wanted to go back for school or training or something, and you just have this extra money that's making money on the side, you know, it's just sitting there, that's a good use of it as well. Like, use that money for those sorts of things. But again, don't be afraid to have a big chunk of cash on hand, which I think too many people are afraid of these days because they keep saying, well, you can make more money in the stock market. And the stock market's good, but again, long, long term, like 20, 30, 40 year span here. You need cash there for a long time. Um, I like to think of this as kind of like a short-term investment. It pays short-term rates essentially with like, you know, 3.8% right now. Uh, but it's just a good thing to have. And I think too many people kind of undervalue the fact of having cash as king because you just never know when an opportunity is going to arise, whether it's an emergency or something that you have to pay for, or it's just a good opportunity or something you really want to do. And often I find out it's like years go by and you're like kind of wasting the fact that the money's sitting there not making a lot of money. And then all of a sudden something comes up like this garage project and I'm like, awesome, right? I don't have to take a loan. I don't have to go out to a bank and get a loan to build it. I just built it. Uh, so that's an advantage. Having that cash there is just optimal. And I think this is probably one of the most overlooked pieces is having that really well-built financial safety net. Now, again, going to like Silicon Valley Bank that went bankrupt and everyone's nervous about the banks. The FDIC protects $250,000 in a bank. There are multiple high-yield savings accounts out there, institutions. So... You know, you if you had quarter million dollars in cash, you put it in one account, and then you go up another high yield savings account with another bank for the another two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So it could be protected. It's not like you're risking it. It's not really sitting out there. Investments, on the other hand, are risky. You can lose it. It jumps up and jumps down. And if you absolutely need it for something, you're going to liquidate. You might have put in a hundred dollars. Now you're only getting out fifty bucks from it. So. Keep that in mind. And then the last piece here, so the last third, the first third is 401k investments, the second one's high yield savings account, and the third one is just your debt. Get out of debt, I cannot say this enough. Um, I know I sound like one of those crazy radio people, but no, debt is a really bad thing, and I've seen horrible, horrible advice from the financial community on this in the sense that everyone says, okay, your interest rate for your mortgage, for example, say 4%. I go, okay. And then they say, and the stock market's paying on average 10%. So therefore, you should take all your extra money and put it in the stock market. I'm just like, this ignores risk management. That's what it's doing. That's why the advice sounds reasonable. Like, okay, you know, my mortgage is charging me 4% per month, but if I'm making 12 or 4% per year, but if I'm making 12% per year on my investments, right, 12 minus four, I'm still making 8% plus I'm paying off my debt. So this is an awesome solution. No, it's not. Uh, because this makes a lot of assumptions which nobody really talks about. And this is the risk management piece here. What if you lose your job, right? Then you can't make the payments on your mortgage and now you're not gonna have a house to live in. So again, defaulting and having debt is not a good thing because it reduces your opportunities here. Like if you had more cash on hand, you could do other cool things. You could get more education. You could, you don't know, have more hobbies. You could, I don't know take more vacations, spend more time with your kids, uh, spend more time with your parents, right? There's all these things you could do. But again, debt is that piece that it's like, it's always there. It's always collecting from you. 
And I know a lot of times, a lot of us have debt, especially now, and we look back and we're like, oh man, it's less than 4%. And now interest rates for mortgages and things like six, seven, eight percent um, Again, just get rid of the debt. Like, so that's the key piece here. When I've done this, a lot of cash, I just keep dumping money into the, getting rid of the debt. My student loans, for example, does have really high interest rates. Uh, my mortgage has a low interest rate, but again, I want to get out of debt. I don't want to owe money to anybody because if I do lose my job and I have some cash, you know, in savings and I have some 401 in retirement, you can afford to float. Uh, if anyone's been following me here last year, last February, uh, my wife was still working, but I quit my job and I was unemployed for like five months. I was hoping to take off six months. But again, having that savings, having another partner that has cash coming in, like things were okay. I needed a mental break and there's no way I could possibly do that unless I would have set myself up in the way I have done. So having again the checking to make sure I can pay all the expenses and the bills are taken care of, and then having all this extra cash building up in your savings account. Now, again, even if you have an extra $100 for the month, right? If you have, you know, like say $33 in your investments, your 401, 33 in your high yield savings account, and $33 uh, towards your debt, like your mortgage, you can put that extra principal on your student loans, your mortgage or whatever, and get that off your books. And then what's going to happen is when this kind of snowballs, so kind of the Dave Ramsey approach, when it snowballs and you end up paying off all this debt, now essentially you reduce this one third. You're going to have one third extra cash that was your extra that's there for high yield savings, uh, 401k. And you know, you could always use that for something fun. Like, you know, you might be saving up for this for a while. You knock off the mortgage. Then you have, you know, six months of income coming in and you decide I'm going to take an awesome vacation or something. Like, you can reward yourself with this. But that's kind of how I do my finances. I do it a little differently than most. I kind of view it as, like I said, like a waterfall. Like, I fill up the checking account first where I'm comfortable. And then, of course, I'm cutting expenses and trying to stay within, you know, a really tight budget. And then that extra cash is then downflowing into what's called my extra cash buckets. And I have three buckets. Uh, one for investments for the long term, so I'll you know, have something to retire on. Uh, one for your high yield savings accounts in case there's a good opportunity that comes up or an emergency, you can cover that. And then finally, uh, you have your debt just being paid off so that one day you will be debt free and you'll have extra cash that you can use um, to enjoy life a little bit more, have a little bit more in your, you know, long-term retirements, you know, maybe vacation a little more, maybe take advantage of other opportunities. So anyways, that's how I do my personal financing. Again, this is not financial advice. This is just how I do it. Just giving you guys a little perspective here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And as always, until next time.